Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with your hosts, Jake and Randy, discussing all things freestyle frisbee and whatever else that comes up. Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. Hey, Jake, how you doing today? Doing great. How are you, Randy? I'm doing good. Uh, I want to wish you a, a happy new year, my friend. Yeah, happy new year to you. Thank you. Thank you. I've been giving some thoughts about the new year and uh, thinking about what kind of Frisbee skills do I want to work on for 2018 and wondering if you've given any thought to that yourself. Uh, that's a... Very interesting question, and I haven't actually put a ton of thought into it, but um, uh, I know I've talked earlier on the podcast about learning counter, and I definitely want to continue to learn counter, uh, so I think that most of my goals will be related to that, and uh, in terms so in getting more specific, I would say I want to improve my against skills, against the spin skills with counter, and try to get it closer to what I can do with clock. Uh, I want to improve my consecutivity with counter because I'm at this point, I feel like I can do a lot of moves, but I have a hard time going from one to the next to the next to the next. The last thing is I want to get the counter back roll. It seems like that, for whatever reason, that thing is just really confounding to my brain. To get that turn at the right moment to make it come back up with the other side is just really it's hard. It's elusive. It's interesting. Very, yeah. yeah, I it, I struggled with that for a while too, and finally the the light bulb went off, and I knew exactly where that turn into it moment was to control it, like I would with clock. It, it definitely is a little bit elusive. So, what are you wanting to work on in 2018? My goals, uh, if I was to put it like that, uh, are not as deep as yours. Mine may be a little more superficial, but I've decided that 2018 is going to be the year of leg rolls. Not egg rolls, but leg, L-E-G, leg, leg rolls. So I've been playing around with all these different approaches to how I can incorporate leg rolls, standing up on the ground, going from arm down to leg. So I feel like it's a underappreciated part of the game that needs a little bit more exposure. So I am calling 2018 the year of leg rolls. Year of leg rolls. I like that. I like yeah. that. And you're definitely the guy to bring the leg rolls to the table. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> you remember that year in Prague? The first it was the first time I had gone to Frisbee. I think it was the first time you had gone. And we were it's a whole bunch of us. We were walking around in the snow. It was super cold. So we went back to the uh hotel. I think it was Manuel's Manuel Chisari's uh room and he was staying with a bunch of guys. And it was you and me and Ryan and Manuel and his friends and uh, Jan Sorensen. And we just had this crazy ideation session where everyone was throwing out all of their wackiest, wildest moves. <laughs> the reason I'm remembering this is because uh, one of the things that I ended up inventing in the, at the moment was to have the disc hanging from my right nail, plate facing away from me, hold it down by my left knee and then pull it up. And it would go up and around my crotch and then back down the other side. <laughs> Yes, I remember we called that the monkey dance. The monkey dance. I forgot what we called it. <laughs> monkey dance roll because you were like bobbing back and forth on, on both of your legs. Oh, the so monkey dance roll. <laughs> okay, well, great. On that note, why don't we get into today's episode? 
And uh, we are going to speak some more with uh, Mayor Dad Husseinian, uh, a.k.a. Graf, and he's going to give us his thoughts about prize money. Enjoy. So, Mayor Dad, what are your thoughts regarding prize money at Worlds? Uh, I don't think we need that. Period. (laughs) (laughs) Good answer. (laughs) Well, it's interesting. We've had that discussion, and that was kind of just a, you know, one question, but we can actually maybe flesh this out a bit because it would be interesting. And I don't know if interesting is the right word, but definitely money would change things. And I don't know if that's good or bad. My gut says that it would certainly make it grow. But is that good? I know in the early days back then, as we are now referring to it as instead of the just back then, there was prize money. And that was a lot of what people played for and that motivated them. So I don't know if prize money has that impact or so mayor dad if there was a tournament that had two hundred thousand dollar prize money how would you look at that um you know instead of going out and just playing and making sure that you play good and you can be proud of yourself and leave the field and have a good feeling of course you will have a couple of bubbles in your in your mind thinking about the money being involved and everything and i think that's going to ruin it not sure how 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 i would react or how i would play or how i would prepare i don't know and i hope i will never get to be in that situation yeah it definitely would impact the jamly aspect i was telling a friend of mine i said the, the most beautiful thing or one of the beautiful things that i really love like L double O V E is that there is first of all no money and the only thing you can win is friendship and respect for what you do. These two things you can that's what you win in freestyle. You get friends you have friends all over the world, you share your thoughts with them, you can get rid of prejudice, you travel, you explore new music, you get to hear you get to see people play on music you probably would never ever listen to but they play so good on it and you go like okay i'm going to listen to that album so you get some new kind of music influence but the two things the most valuable things for me are friendship and the respect i want people to respect me for what i do just have to have the deep acknowledgement people appreciate what you do i think these are the two biggest prices you can win. And I think this should be just the case. Yeah, I I mean, I definitely agree. And I don't play for the money. And it's really a question posed as to what impact would money have on getting people committed to expanding their games and taking it to another level. I understand that that money is going to impact the Jamly and the, you know, that sharing of what we do. And so I don't know. I don't think they can coexist. I think once you put money into a situation, things change dramatically. But I do think that if there was a big cash prize, that the skill level, and I'm just talking about the skill level, not the love, but I think the skill level would really go through the roof. Yeah, well, the, and just the connection between the money and the skill is the time, I think. Because one of the reasons that those back-in-the-day players were able to dedicate 100% of their time to it was because they were able to make a living doing it, so they didn't have to have a job to pay the bills. 
It's sort of a dance with the devil, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe there's another way to approach it where we do get all of our time, but we don't have to play for the money. I don't know how that would work. I don't know. Well, maybe there's a way the two things can coexist, too. I mean, maybe there's a whole tournament circuit where people are making a living and that's all they do, but there's still the jamily next to it where we all get together and jam and have a good time and respect each other and don't compete. Mm. Yeah. Or compete at a different level. And for me, it isn't the idea of making money. I'm just talking about how do we goose that skill level to go. I think it has hit a ceiling. And so does that ceiling get removed if you put in that element? And as I've said before in other podcasts, how do we get it to go to that Cirque du Soleil level? Um, But, you know, this is just banter. Yeah, you said that with the prize money, maybe we are able to, to like, increase this, the skill level. But I think we definitely got to change the judging system in order to reach that. With the judging system now, like, I watched me and Paul winning the title, and I think we went for five under the leg. And that pains me to see that. It's the finals, and I don't want to go for an under the leg. But I had to because I was playing in that system and we were the last team and I knew exactly we just have to play it safe down as make sure no deductions. But in the end, you look at it and you're like, "Mm." what would you change? How would you change the system to enhance the skills? I would give a deduction for every under the leg catch. So repetition? Yeah, just under the legs or are there specific class of catches? I think this has to be like, we need a big defin- book of definitions, and this was just like one little uh, example. But I would really change the judging system, make execution not that big, because everything is about execution, or mostly about execution. I agree. So we changed the diff, and we changed the AI a little bit. But in the end, it's still, if you want to really, like, I think it's it's a dilemma that teams go out and pull off their best in the semis and their safest in the finals. Should be the other way, or yeah, at least make sure that you play good in the semis because you sh- you shred in the semis. Maybe we can get those points also into the finals. So the finals is not just a decision of a a one day decision, but who was the overall best team to make sure that, I don't know, these are just some, some brainstorming ideas. Like, I yeah, no, riff away, riff away. Deeply, but just change it and make it more, more rewarding for the teams to go for the big stuff. Hey, just want to give a shout out to Patrick Chartran for his donation to Frisbee Guru. It's nice to know that folks value what we're doing and want to be a part of it. If you value what we do too, feel free to go to our website and donate. Now back to the show. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head, Merida. It's it's execution is really what's driving the boat with current state of play in competitive. Because you get really execution, you're getting deducted in all three divisions. So you're getting... The point three in execution, you know you're getting deducted in difficulty just because of the nature of how it's framed. And AI, the same thing. So I had a discussion with Ryan Young here just last week at AFO in uh, talking about his electronic judging system. He's talking about just eliminating execution altogether. And you have just two categories. So you have artistic impression and technical merit. 
kind of how they do in ice skating. Um, So then that's it. So you're no longer getting deducted in three categories. You just eliminate it. So now you start to focus in on making people go, not not have to worry about the catch and have that be secondary instead of primary. Yeah, you got to go. You still have to go for it, but you also still have to catch it. Because if you go big and you don't catch it, I think that even with the two categories, it still wouldn't reward you as much. But it would reward you more than going small and mm. catching it. I yeah. think it would be interesting to to try it. I think so. Here's my ideal situation: there's a million dollar prize money, thirty second routines, and and no execution. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Thirty seconds. Wow. <laughs> I'm well, kidding. But I'm that's kidding. an interesting thing. So I would say that the longer the routine is, the more execution counts because uh, there's probably a metric that's drops per minute or drops per second or something like that. So the longer you go, the more drops you're going to have just regardless. Mm-hmm. So do you think, Merida, do you think that shorter routines would lend to more shredding diff style or to or not? Yeah, probably they will. But I think it can be can be tricky for, for top teams. You have two drops in the first 20 seconds. And whew, then you really got to just accelerate and elevate your game and your, your, your partner's game and make sure that you, you finish big after two minutes. Um, here, too, I have two hearts beating in my chest. Um, I, I was talking with James about it, and I said, yeah, I think two or three minutes is probably the solution for the future. But that Tony Hawk heart in me said, no, you should actually play pairs five minutes. Like, go out and see who has that much game, that much repertoire, that much vocabulary to go out and play five minutes. And here also, I would give deductions for repetitions. But I would really love to see people go out and show the, the, the full landscape of their game. I know it's probably not good for the, for the audience, but maybe just, I don't know, make that. This is just an idea. FPA Paris Finals, just not eight teams, maybe just six teams. And those six teams who deserve to make the finals, who probably all of them have a good clean routine play five minutes but yeah i'm also for the two and three minute version no doubt but yeah it's that too hard thing again but i would really love to go out and i mean i would love to do double spinning triple fake on counter on clock i would like to do it upside down i would like to show people hey it's not just one one kind of set that i do for this catch i can do it three ways and then but yeah, maybe this is just part of the jam. Maybe I should just do that in the jam and not in the tournament. But. I like how you said, um, oh, what did you say? So instead of variety, repetition is the word that you used. Yes. James and I were talking about how there's just so much in freestyle that it's really hard to judge variety. Like maybe somebody doesn't do any counter, but they can still do a different catch every time and a different type of delay every time. So do you mark them down because they didn't do counter? But I like no. how you're couching it because it's it's doing the same thing versus, I don't know. I think it's just a different way to think about it. Um, I wouldn't give a deduction. There was a time when I thought of the variety like that. You can get five points for doing stuff on clock, and you can get five points for doing stuff on counter. 
And then after a while, I realized I'm totally wrong. I can't do that. It, it's not working. There, there are players who play maybe just one spin and maybe just go one time for five seconds upside down, but they explore a lot on that given spin. And they do rolls, tips, kicks, brush, tooth delay, you name it. They do it all. So I can't give them five points in variety. So I would give them nine. And that one point missing is because they didn't play counter. That makes sense. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to your how you started this conversation again with your two hearts and how you feel about both sides. So you said one heart is like, yes, it, it probably the shorter routines is probably the solution to maybe getting a shred. But then you said the other heart was Tony Hawk. And so when you say the other heart, Tony Hawk, is Tony Hawk the shred heart that we're talking about? Yeah. What do you mean that, by Tony Hawk? Yeah, that's the guy who just goes out and shuts down his brain and just goes for the biggest stuff. He just goes for broke. He doesn't care whether the about the audience or anyone else. He just feels the moment and just goes for the option that he feels is is the right place. But do you feel like you need more time to go Tony Hawk? Yeah, probably. So you don't feel like you could go Tony Hawk in two and a half minutes, three minutes? You feel like five minutes allows you to really express your inner Tony Hawk? Yeah, because I feel like I have so much to show, three minutes is not enough. <laughs> So it's interesting that you think it's the solution, yet you fight against that solution. I'm just, yeah. I'm just, it's just interesting because I hear this argument a lot about I don't have enough time to do everything that I need to do, but almost universally it's accepted that, oh, it's probably better for the audience. And actually, I could probably really become much more focused on shred because I don't have to have execution playing such a big factor the longer I go. So it's I'm just trying to figure out what exactly is the argument. And it sounds like it's kind of a blend, what you're saying. And so it's a little bit confusing as to what your point of view is just from listening to you. Yeah, it's like I'm standing right in the middle and I got the nice ice cream vanilla on my left side and chocolate on my right side. And I'm like a little boy. I would like to have them both. The simplest metaphor I can give you guys. Well, and so let me see if I can paraphrase what, how I understand your argument. And you tell me if I get this right or not. But what I'm hearing is that you, you have enough tricks and you want to do every trick that you have in your routine. And you have enough tricks that you, you can fill five minutes that it would, it would take exactly. five minutes for you to do everything. Yes. Just go out and show <clears throat> the variety and the depth of the game. Yep, variety and depth. And I, I think that's where people who like the longer routines, I think that's their perspective. I think that's, it's like we shouldn't just compare who can do the hardest move. We should compare who has the most moves. Yeah, well, that's where that dilemma is. I don't want to see five minutes of somebody trying to show me how deep their pockets are in some way that is all about them. I want to see how what they can do in a competitive format that says who is the best player. The longer routines are saying, well, the best player is the person who can show you just how much skill set they have. And I'm like, well, that's one aspect, but I think you can do that in a shorter time frame. I would love to see that happen, that synergy with the execution being um, eliminated, a new judging system, and the new format of playing two or three minutes. I, I think, Randy, you're right. I, I'm, I know this, this is probably going to be the solution to, to solve it. It was just you guys asked me and I, I just wanted to let you know that, that there's that second heart in me and 
Like, I'm a true jammer. That's it, I guess. I'm a true jammer. I want to go out and I just want to, like, hey, guys, see what I got. Yeah, and I and I I'm not trying to put you on the spot, Meredith. I just it's not clear cut within the community. I mean, it's almost a fifty fifty split about how people feel about routine links. So again, I apologize. I'm not like saying, hey, what your view is wrong. I'm just trying to better understand it, and so we can have dialogue. I think that one of the things that's happening with this conversation is that we really haven't had dialogue. I think it really has been monologue, and there has been stronger voices driving that monologue and not allowing dialogue to happen so you know that's my perspective and maybe people look at me and go yeah randy you're one of the monologuers and you know what there's probably truth to that so no it's it's interesting topic i mean i don't think any system can show who's the best because it's more of an art than it is a skill or it is a sport or competition you know what i mean we all have different skills we all have different deep pockets and our pockets go in different places but you really can't compare. It's like comparing apples and oranges. We can't really compare each other. So whatever system we choose is will be imperfect. I think that's just the nature of the beast. And yeah, so, and I think it will be very difficult to please everyone. Yeah. I don't think we will ever get to that point. Yeah. And so we have to kind of ask ourselves then, as we design competitions, how do we make this? Like, what do we want to get out of it? Do we want it to be a show? Do we want to draw the audience in or not? I think you actually nailed another thing there, Mayor Dad, is consensus. I think because we are all so close and we are this jamly that we want 100% consensus to try anything. And unless we get that, we are reluctant to maybe try something different because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And so that's, that's, a, that's a tough one to get past as well. I don't know if you feel that, Mayor Dad. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I think, yeah, just what you said think it's too difficult to to get all all jammers and former jammers and contributors for the game at one round table and make sure make sure that everyone gets the same size of the cake this topic will last for a long time i just hope that as you said that monologue maybe changes to a dialogue and that those who maybe don't compete at tournaments, maybe not raise their voices that loudly. You get a lot of feedback from all kinds of directions. Maybe we should listen to those who, and I don't want to offend anyone, seriously, but maybe just make sure those who are playing, those who are competing, those who are contributing, the board members, the directors, and everyone seriously being involved, that they decide about it. That we sit all together and, and maybe find Find, find that solution. But I think that's going to be a very, very difficult under, under casting. It is. It is difficult. And I, I think that's probably why we really haven't tried many new things and have just stayed with the status quo because nobody really wants to make yeah. anybody in the jamly not like you. Mm, yeah. Hmm. Yes, we've gotten very deep here. Got very deep. <laughs> I, like I like it too. This yeah, is the same stuff that we would talk about if we weren't on a podcast. We'd all sit in a room and <laughs> dive deep in. It's, it's also interesting if you look at non-FPA events, almost all of them don't use the FPA system. And many of them are experimenting with other systems. It's really just the FPA events that don't change. I mean, even when I was brand new in 1996, 
going to Skippy's tournaments, he had a custom judging system that was exploring new possibilities. Like that's been the mentality that I was raised with in the sport was, let's try and change it and make it better and see what else we can do. It just it just never somehow it never filters back into the FPA system. Was it those uh, seven minute formats from the Manresa tournament? That's right. Yeah. It was, there was one year where there was 12 minutes, and you had two timeouts, and you got to substitute God. people on your team. Shoot me now. <laughs> oh, well, at the time, I loved it. No, yeah, because there was nobody watching, and it was just you and 10 people camped out on a beach. So, I mean, that's why Matt and I made the Super Hane. It's the same thing. Yes. Explore a different, different way of, of looking at our sport. I love Super Hane format. Yeah, Schiller did too because he adopted or he adapted it to his beach tournament. Yeah, I like that overall concept, that idea of, you know, that's where I start to see like that's the real expression of who has got the deepest game. They can handle any conditions, they can handle working with people, and they can just shred on their own. So yeah. I, I like that concept. Yes. I second that. Yeah. But, you know, you just reminded me of when I was in college and thinking about different formats. So we had the the World Kitchen Freestyle Championships uh, at my college, and we actually got a pretty good turnout. There was a fair amount of freestylers in Seattle, and I was going to school in Olympia, Washington. And part of the criteria is that you had to use a kitchen utensil in your routine. So you had to either use a spatula or a or a whisk or something <laughs> we had all this crazy criteria that and it was in a pretty small little kitchen so you you know had to kind of put a leg up on the stove and do a leg under with a spatula and oh that's cool yeah wait Is that where that, that terminology came from about hitting the disc with the spatula and a skillet <laughs> you know you're right that's exactly where it came from you know, so like what? when you hit a hard brush and it goes thunk it's like oh nice skillet a little more history <laughs> The World Kitchen Freestyle Championships. I forgot all about that. Wow. What a deep conversation with Graf. Uh, that was really interesting and thought-provoking. But uh, I also love that it jogged your memory about the Kitchen Freestyle Championships. How cool is that? Yeah. I mean, I totally forgot about this goofy little thing that we put together. It was really more just kind of get together and party. But there are some really great routines and creative, like trying to delay the disc on a toaster and pretty funny. Uh, I think there was only one. So it was the first annual and only World first. Kitchen Freestyle Championships. Wow. Okay. I remember when I was a newer player and I filled out my bio for, I think it was for the FPA membership. One of the questions was, what is your favorite kitchen utensil? So I wonder if that came out of this whole kitchen championships as well <laughs> yeah wink wink <laughs> who will ever know <laughs> who will ever know all right well with that just want to say thank you to all the folks out there who support us in this podcast and this frisbee guru venture and yes and i do want to say happy new year to everybody out there and especially to you jake once again happy new year and and thanks for for being just a great friend i really appreciate it yeah, well, thank you too, Randy. You've been a great friend and a great partner in this. And uh, I don't think this would be blossoming the way it is if we didn't team up and both put our energy together into it. So thank you very yeah. much for making this happen. Indeed. And uh, on that note, I will talk to you next time. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. To contact us or for more info, check us out at frisbeeguru.com. Hope to hang.